0: Landline
1: radio, landline radio, energy, no filter. Oh yeah! Okay, back here in studio with uh, the one and only Jacob Hirsch. How you doing, Mr. Hirsch? It's good. Um, it's good to
2: be here. I'm um,
1: here. I am for the folks. Uh, you're having some. Is it La- Lacroix?
2: I pronounce it LaCroix, but I know it's probably not LaCroix. I just do it to make people angry. It's not even really LaCroix. It's Kirkland Signature Sparkling Water.
1: I offered you a water, but you you brought your own.
2: I'm very metropolitan. Yeah, you're- And you're prepared. Cosmopolitan,
1: even. Yeah. Is, that, met- what, is that metrosexual? I was going to say, not metrosexual. I don't think you, you, you're not in the metrosexual category. No. I'm not put no, no,
2: I'm wearing a $2 jacket.
1: So. You're, you're, I gotta, we'll talk about that in a second. So you're wearing this kind of camo jacket with all these patches, some bands. I mean, there's some other interesting little- things on there. Um, so we'll get into how we met in a bit, but you were, you were for the folks listening who watched our live election coverage. You were our remote roving correspondent.
2: I was the man in the field.
1: You were the man and you went to Peltola's place. You went to the governor's place. And by the way, I still got to apologize when we started the show with, we had Mark Baggage and Sharice <laughs> Millett and Ivan, we had a whole kind of opening and we used this guy's professional voice for our, our big opening, you know, kind of video scene, uh, opener, and we had rehearsed this several times and you were remote and I introduced everybody. And then it was like so much going on that I, I heard my ear from the producer like fucking you forgot about Jake. And I was like, Oh shit. So we're going to go live to Jake. And then I apologize to you, and you're like, "Oh, it's okay. I'm very forgettable." Uh, that was I. I genuinely didn't care. I think that was that was my
2: like. But it was like the, everybody was like, "This guy is great." I was trying to add something in. I try, you know. I'm I was on an improv team. It wasn't it wasn't a good improv team for for two years in high school. That's where my that's where my physical comedy comes from. That's where all the beats, you know, from from doing really bad improv. In like that's where a, it Church basement. Yeah.
1: It this, this is like a comedy improv or just any. They would do something
2: called uh, if there's any. I went to service. For, for those in the know. And you're kind of, you're
1: 20, what, 22? 21. 21, fuck. I yeah, 22 I was, in February. If I could take my knowledge right now at 37, I'll be 38 next month, and go back with my current knowledge to 21, I would I would murder it.
2: I would buy a lot of Bitcoin.
1: I mean, let's just say not even doing that, like where you like buy stocks or Bitcoin, but just take your knowledge. Like, if I could give you my knowledge, like, you know, the, like a download. yeah. Even like I think the wisdom, about, you know, like you experience things in life, and yeah. you, you learn.
2: I think about this a lot. Like, I've, if I could be like sixteen, even sixteen, with the, what I know now, I would be, dude. I would be unstoppable. Yeah, I was trying to think of like a person to compare, but I mean, just you know, I'd be, I'd be much better off.
1: Who's who's the guy? The Hawking guy. Yeah, but like, but like functional you know, in a wheelchair. Okay, no, but like the right. I mean, he had a great, he was writing books up until yeah, sure the end. So okay, so. You were the correspondent and, you know, you, we had the big team. So there was, I don't know, there was like eight of us. There was producers and directors and all these people. And we had some pre-meetings and you didn't know anybody. And I don't think I told you this, but a few of them were like, um, is that guy like, is he going to wear that stuff? <laughs> I'm not going to say who, but they were like, he's cool. But is he going to like, cause, cause I don't give a shit. Right. But I mean, it's just kind of like for media people, there's a kind of a look. And I said, I don't know. I said, I'm, I'm sure he's probably going to wear whatever he wants. But, you know, and then it's so funny. You showed up like you, you look like you were going to the office.
2: Yeah, I actually know that that you, day you cleaned up
1: real. I mean, you, I was like, oh, man, who's that guy?
2: That, that day I was like, OK, there's two possible roads this can go. There's three, but there's two main roads that I can I can keep the jacket and just sort of look the like camo a camo jacket. Yeah, like a disheveled kind of like like a guy that would be holding up a sign, you know, saying like the end is near. Or I can like you know put some effort in and like wear a and I that's what I ended up doing I put a suit jacket on and you know yeah you look great. I cleaned up I the, think you and, know and it was a
1: and you, a lot of people I don't know if you've heard anything but you know you, you were you were at Baltola's thing and there was the other funny moment where I you know we couldn't really hear because of our because so we had a whole setup here we had done three or four days before we had tried to use my mobile road microphones which which sounded in the in the setup sounded great but when it came down to the the phone and how we were interacting with Zoom back from from the field it wouldn't work
2: yeah and oh we, my god that was such a
1: we had to do some weird last minute improvisation with with these headphones but so we couldn't hear that well so we couldn't really hear Potola's speech victory speech or kind of you know when she was way ahead not victory but when she was way ahead and then um, we came back and we said Jake wow like she spoke and there was a lot of energy and we could see <laughs> it you know and like, like what did she say and you you just stared at the screen for like three seconds and just said damn.
2: <laughs> I literally, I couldn't remember what she, I was like, I remember thinking like, oh, hey, that was a pretty good speech, you know? She seems to play to her bass pretty well, and she's like very energetic, and like, everybody's having fun. And then it came time to like, I was like, I have to come up with one thing. Like, I don't, I legitimately could not remember what, and I, it's never happened to me before.
1: Well, the thing is, when you're, and I've done this before, when you're running equipment, when you're at an event, or when you're doing something, and you, you know, you're know, you even watching something, and you're broadcasting, it, or, or you're broadcasting, and you're Commenting on something while you're listening, you you don't really process it because you're like right. you have this camera, you have this computer, you have this you know microphone, and and I've been there too, where you're like you can't really go back and clearly say what you just witnessed because you're focused on other things. But People, that was another good moment on the on, on the stream.
2: <laughs> People are gonna go back now and watch the live stream and like just go to those points and and like really pick this pick this performance apart.
1: Well, so speak, speaking <laughs> of the clo- the close, you must have thought. I'm assuming you thought like, as you're 21 and we'll, we'll get into how we met in a second, but you must've maybe thought this is kind of quick. Cause I asked you, cause we were looking for someone and I said, maybe cause you've been writing for the landmine for a while. And I asked you if you wanted to do this. And I'm sure you probably were like, man, this is kind of crazy. Like I'm going to be covering like big time people and, you know, for like a news organization. Whereas a lot of these people have been around a while. They're the, you know, the professional people they've worked for channel two or whatever. And you're just like, you know, just out of college and we yeah got you Going going in the field.
2: Yeah, I've I've worked through whatever imposter syndrome I had. I mean, like, I don't know. I I think it was. I mean, it's, it was fun. I think I did okay. But, but
1: as far as the clothing, I mean, you probably thought, "Fuck, you know, this, I can pretty much do whatever I want." I mean, yeah, this well, is a pretty loose organization. Uh, uh,
2: like, yeah, I don't know. I think it would have been it would have been funny, I guess. But I, I also don't think I would have gotten as far. Like the Peltola thing, like you, you might have had a harder time getting. Yeah, there. yeah, getting getting places. And, so like, that was forty nine getting state. interviews. Forty nine, which by the way. That that inter that question that I asked Peltola is not on there because the microphones didn't pick it up because it was there was like a system it just it didn't work yeah we, were we, system to, limitations. we we need to
1: we the, the problem is to do it to do it the right way would would be you know it would be a I don't know ten thousand uh, dollar probably five thousand right, dollar investment right. plus a monthly cost of you buy this device that allows you to go back to the control room but also you pay monthly for all the cell phone you know there's like three or four sim cards so we'll. we'll We'll get there one day. He also went to Jabaca's thing, which everybody else was downtown, but she was down here in kind yeah. of Old Seward at the the main event, the little little restaurant.
2: Which actually, I think I think may have worked out for her. I mean, and not not like in the election, obviously, because she's you know she's she's not gonna not gonna take it. But like her her audience was like it was a very family oriented kind of thing. There mm-hmm. were like you know there was like a Hawaiian dancing troupe, which I don't know if that got I if I got that on camera, but like all the other parties were very like oh this is sort of like a young. Either like a young urban millennial crowd, crowd, or like, um, oh, you know, like Dunleavy's party was like, you know, like the the pe- people that voted Dunleavy, you know, like, pe- and, and that was like, like, and, and it was his, later. His, his staff, and yeah, his, yeah, and his staff, so, so and he like was an Marriott,
1: but there was like other or like art, like miners maybe or the other like trade groups. They had they had events too. right? It was Americans
2: for Pro- or Alaskans for Prosperity.
1: Probably Americans for Prosperity. Yeah, yeah Americans for
2: Prosperity, and then the miners.
1: So there was a whole bunch Something of because yeah. I heard there was you know tons of people there. Yeah,
2: so there was like three parties that all kind of coalesced into one.
1: So like did me, you three have three any? Did, did you ever have any trouble getting? Because I, I told the people most of them I said here we have somebody who's going to be there and but they probably didn't know you. But you were you were you seemed like you were great to get in and nobody
2: hassled me. Like like uh, Peltola, they were very like if you if you if you uh, if you're they're like oh I'll give you a drink ticket if you're chill and I was like I'm chill hey I'm chill and I still have that I didn't I didn't have time to use it but like Peltola was chill. Chewbacca, I was like, I don't know if they're gonna let me in, and it wasn't that they didn't let me in. There just wasn't space, so I had to like record from outside. Mm-hmm. Dunleavy, nobody was paying attention, so I was just in there. Well,
1: Dunleavy, the best thing you got with Dunleavy was you were you were you came on because I had a little you know earpiece. I'm talking to Scott and Shirley, and then they were they were like, they were like Jake, Scott, Dave, Steer, who, who? It turns out you know Dave.
2: Yeah, I went to school with uh, his kid,
1: so you know Blake, his son. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Dave. So that was, was great. Dave and I know each other. So Dave knew you. Did you. You said you were doing, I guess, landmine stuff. Yeah. 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 And the best part about that was Jason Rooney, the Environmental Conservation Commissioner, who's third in line. He's the Lieutenant Governor's successor, which means he's third in line to be the governor. He's there. I think he might have had a drink or two. He comes on with the headphones. And I, he told me later, he didn't know we were live. He didn't.
2: I told, I, <laughs> I swear to God, and I'm like, maybe I could be wrong. But I'm like almost positive. I told I was like, "Hey, man, it's a live stream. You want to go on?" <laughs> like, and I, even if it wasn't, what else would it be? And, and like, then while what? he was
1: talking, at J- J- one point, Jake's or Dave Steering grabbed a cigar.
2: Oh yeah, he it, was chewing on the whole. He didn't light it obviously because he was inside. But I was like,
1: it, it was it seemed like a, a, a certain vibe. Well, also because they were they were doing so well. I mean, they were. Oh yeah, doing a lot better than I think a lot of folks. I expected Peltola to win on the first round, which he didn't. Not not. I knew Dunleavy would be close probably, but he right. ended up being. It went down a little bit, but that that night he was at fifty two or fifty three percent. Yeah,
2: he was like way high. You know, at at the end of that
1: first and, night, and, and Pierce still had five percent almost. Yeah. so it's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's incredible the, the the numbers. Yeah. Anyway, so let's go back. So you, um, and I don't know, I don't think you know her, but um, she's on the website. There's um, a woman named Maddie Coe who who just like you, she's a graphic artist and she's from Alaska. She was going to school in Rhode Island at Rhode Island School of Design. She had cold emailed me in like twenty. 19. It was like, I love Landmine. I, you know, I follow it. And, I, you know, if you guys ever need any help and we met, I met with her and, and she's actually since then done a lot of like graphic and, and animation things. She lives on the East coast, but she's like on the website, just like you are. And she's still involved. You, same thing. You, a couple of years ago, cold emailed me.
2: I like that your staff is like made up, not significantly, but like a good chunk is made up of like, like bored college students. Yes, that are like, yeah. uh, can I have like the, Do you want, do you need like a writer? Do you need like a you have any time? Well, dude, but
1: that's how the world, I mean, that, yeah. people who are assertive and, and take some initiative and hustle, I mean, that's... That's well, what I've learned, like... That's how, like, this other guy, he was, you weren't here, I don't think, you you came later, but there was a guy, so Scott Jensen, my business partner downstairs, um, he invited the class, because he teaches at the university, like, audio-video stuff, he invited a group of, you were here when they were here. The yeah, yeah, I was I So was a group around. of kids came here, college students who were do, doing audio-video, I think you knew one of them, didn't you?
2: No. It was jarring for me, though, I was like, these are like, they're like my age... Because I graduated in three years, not instead of four, but like I was like, so these kids are your age, yeah, they're my they're, age. They're there observing for their class. Yeah, I felt I was like, if any, if any, if at any point I was ever like
1: unsure about what I was doing there, I was like, that was it. I was like, this is not right. Something's wrong here. So, what, so we inv- we Scott said to the group because his, his friend John Sharifi is teaching the class, and they were showing here. Here's how you get ready, and here's all the equipment, and here's the production, pre-production, Um and we said Scott said if anybody wants to come. Uh, on Tuesday night and observe and hang out or, or, you know, you're welcome to one One guy, this guy, Peter, only one who came. He came. He was there the whole time, just hanging out, kind of wasn't really just watching, learning. So afterwards, we we needed, we're trying to get some more um, help over here for, for doing some of our control room and our switching, and we contacted him, and he's in, since been in here once, and we're going to probably teach him some more stuff and get him schooled up on some of the equipment. But, but he was assertive and took the initiative to show up.
2: Yeah. No, that's like half of what... I don't know. I think it's that Woody Allen quote where he's like, "Half of life is just showing up." But in, it's but like, tr- it's true. I mean, if, I you, mean, if, e- if you email people, if you people, have a job
1: and you're shit at your job, yeah. If you show up at like eight o'clock every morning and like say that, that that's a big like part of life is just showing up.
2: Yeah. So many of the like the positions I've gotten or like the things that I've been able to do have been because I was like, "Can I like can I do this?" And was, and nobody there really had a reason to say no. They're like, "All right, you know, whatever." That's how I got like a lot of my writing positions and like. Just sort of worked my way accidentally. Just sort of failing upwards, you know. That's that's what I say. Yeah.
1: If I'm gonna write a book, it's gonna it's gonna be called failing up. Yeah. Yeah. Or or somebody else told me my my if I ever write a biography, it should uh I guess autobiography, it should um be called uh, no biography autobiography is yourself right yeah and then biography is somebody else. so they they told me it should be called I said what should, what should I it was joking I said what should I call my life story and they said it should be called the tragedy Jeff Lanfield's you know, life story of Jeff lamfield the, the tragedy of the American condition. <laughs>
2: that's that's a good one.
1: But I kind of like failing up. Yeah. So anyway, so you contact me from Washington. You're at, you're you're in school in Washington State.
2: Yeah, Eastern Washington. And and you were like not hey. Univers- WSU rather. There's an Eastern Washington and there's a Washington State. Incidentally, Washington State University is farther east than Eastern Washington. So I don't. That doesn't really. That's not really relevant at all. I just think that's funny.
1: Little, little, little uh, tidbit. Yeah, there's a little factoid. So you were like, hey, I'm from Alaska, I'm going to school here. I'm in college, COVID's fucking, fucking horrible. And I was like, and he, can I write something? And I was like, oh shit, that sounds really, right away. Cause I mean, I'm older and, you know, I've dealt with COVID like, every, you know, more in a work type, but I wasn't working for myself. So, I mean, it affected all of us a lot, but I'm like, wow, it must be crazy to be in college. So you wrote this thing college during COVID.
2: Yeah. That was the first thing. It was the first thing I ever wrote for the site.
1: And it was really, I remember vividly, it was really good writing, but it was really like your style is very funny. And I was like, this this guy is fucking pretty good.
2: That writing definitely, if you read anything I've written from like in like twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one, which is when I wrote that, it's definitely of that time. Like, there's a very significant, not I guess not terribly significant, but there's a way that like the writing that I do changes from twenty like from then into what I do now. But like, there's there's like like things that you look out for that you really place make it of like of a of a time, you know. And that was one of them where you can I can I mean I can tell. I don't know if anybody else can, but I can tell when. I wrote that as opposed to, like, there's just things that in the writing that make it stand out as, mm-hmm. like, earlier work. So. Well,
1: I, I go back sometimes and read some stuff I wrote because I started The Landmine in 17, and, and I went to school in history and economics, so I'd always I'd write, but I go back and read my early stuff, and it's, like, cringeworthy. Yeah. Because, like, anything else, like like sports or read it, running, running, I mean, you do it a lot, you get, you get better at it.
2: Yeah. Well, if you read cuz I my I got started with the school the WSU student newspaper, shouts out evergreen. Um but like <laughs> that's that's what it was called. My my first editor, dude, he, he he was my opinion editor. I won't say his name. I don't know what he's doing, but I don't I don't anyway. But he he would wear body armor sometimes to like student meeting, like the editorial meetings. Like
1: he's like playing football?
2: No, like like like
1: Ballistic body armor. Oh, not the not the body armor brand. No,
2: no, yeah, like actual
1: body armor. He, I mean, he wore like Kevlar. Like, ones, yeah, Kevlar. But why could, would he wear that?
2: Well, he so he was like a he was dude. He was he rocked uh, the the stories, some of which are not fit to air. But he was he ruled. But he like calls me over one day because we're doing editorial stuff, and it's like you know the evening because you got print the next day. He's like, hey man, um, does anything look different about me? And I was like, no. And he's like, he like knocks on his sweatshirties, and it's like you know you you can tell there's something under there, and he's like yeah, I'm wearing body armor. Is it printing? Can you tell? I was like, no.
1: Printing, like, is it showing? Like, yeah, is like, it showing? Like, 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 like he's a fucking commando? Well,
2: I think he was just like, he'd just gotten it and he was like, I think he just wanted to wear it around. And he was like, your age? He was like a college? He was like 23, 24, something like that. But, because uh, he was a couple of grades above me. Am like, I printing? Wow. Yeah, dude, he ruled. He, I was like, are you wearing body armor? Yeah, he was like, yeah, yeah. Can you tell Was he I was, like, was no. he
1: legitimately concerned or was he more like, hey, I got this cool shit I'm gonna throw? Oh, he he just
2: he had just gotten it and I think it was for some I mean, it was just to have, but he was like, Hey, I'll just wear this around, see if it like see if anybody can tell. But he, he yeah, he was awesome. I won like a I want like a gas mask off of him and a bet like one of those old chat gas masks, the ones that with the rubber ones that fit over your head. Like with a hose? Yeah, with the, not with the hose, but just the one that screws in, like the one that you think of when everybody thinks of like a gas mask.
1: How how did that become the, the I can't I
2: genuinely can't remember. I was we were betting on some like student go- something that nobody would be interested in except for like student media and like the 20 people in student government at the time. I was like I, we were betting on whether some someone would stay in office or something after some like student government. It was like terribly uninteresting, but he was like, "Yeah, I'll bet you this gas mask I got online." What was, did you like, put up for? Uh I can't remember. I think it was like 30 no, bucks or no, something. No, nothing Nothing like significant. Memorable. And I won anyway, so
1: Okay, so you're there and then we Written the college during COVID thing, and then I think you had written. We kind of kept in touch, and you would written some other stuff. Um, and then you came back. You graduated, and this this past spring. So, we, and then we met in person when you it's got back, odds. and you came by. And then you've written since then. And it, you, we we kind of I kind of joke with people. You're like a kind of younger Hunter S. Thompson type. Very very and much keep a weird. I comment
2: in a notebook, and every time I'm feeling down, I look at it and I say, you know what? And I can make it a couple more, a couple more years. Off the strength of that alone, because
1: you're writing it's it's very um, unique, you know, and, and a lot of people have read it and they've told me they've enjoyed it. And then you've actually since then done a couple, really, one of them just recent one with this um, metal band. You did you did the she the first one was a band called she yep and this new one was the um, septicide the septicide that one
2: got a lot more traction than I thought, but I think it's just because they have like they've been around since you know forever and they have like a lot of people that so they shared it to their Facebook and then it took off from there sort of. But that was fun. I love interviewing musicians because they're so like they like love the thing they do like very wholeheartedly. Well, the
1: takeaway like if you look at their picture, you look at these like kind of metal dudes with like hair and like short shirt. Like they just look like you know, these fucking guys party and get wasted and are single. Well, it turns out they're all like like family men. Yeah, <laughs> these guys are. Yeah, no, and they're the, they were decept, decepticide. Yeah. So that was a really interesting. Um, and then even the she kind of like how they're all you know they all have jobs and they're they're trying to like. One's an engineer, right? And they're all trying to do something, but then they have this band which is like yeah. really important to them. Yeah, which is their main thing. But yeah. But so so yeah, you've written some, some kind of um interview type pieces and then you've done some other opinion and then you went to that the other one I really enjoyed was uh the debate the constitutional convention debate.
2: Oh god. Which, yeah.
1: Which you, you, you made a really weird, almost kind of boring debate uh <sighs> seem interesting. More interesting than I think it was when you read when you read your take on it and your friend was there and you were talking to him about some weird shit and kind of
2: high school. school there is there is like I, there's a um, longer version of that piece that I wrote, which it's like two thousand words longer and it's just like, it's the prologue and I'm complaining about something about debate as a as a, as a form of intellectual like conversation and as like a means of persuasion. And at the, at the end of it, and it, I took it out because it didn't—it like didn't make any sense in, in the context of the article, and it was just me complaining. But it, it, the the point of it was, I was like, "Yeah, debate doesn't work. Like nobody really ends up convinced. It's just sort of a way to waste time, and like, you know, it doesn't actually accomplish anything. So that's not in there. But there's a much longer version of that piece where I say that I'm like, this this didn't. Nobody was convinced. Everybody came in with the same. And that's the other thing, because I used to debate. I guess this is a sort of tangential. I don't know how interesting this, is, but like I used to debate for UAA, not for UAA, but for high school, and they would do for the UAA debates. They would do like they would text in what the audience would text in their opinions about the con the the topic before, before and then after, and then after. And it was like well, so in this was, one they just did it after. They just did after and it was like so what well, changed?
1: I just I just watched um you know Milton Friedman. You heard of him? Yeah, the economist. economist. Yeah, he won the Nobel Peace Prize. Smart. He passed away years ago, but but very interesting. And one of the one of the you know rare economists who can speak kind of English and people can understand yeah. what he's talking about. So I came across this um, Milton Friedman interview. It must've been in the seventies with, you know, Phil Donahue. You ever heard of him? Yeah. So he was like a long time talk show host. And I was having, it was a really interesting, it was like an hour de- de- long interview, you know, discussion. And it was like really, I mean, it was just a really deep, f- deep kind of thoughtful discussion. And it was respectful, but I mean, this Donahue guy had a very different, for example, on, on like Ralph Nader and the book he wrote about cars and, you know how the cars are unsafe, and how that, and you know, Friedman had a much different position about the role of government and a lot of this stuff. And it was just, I mean, the kind of caliber of the dialogue, and in some of the comments, even you can you can see they're like, man, this people used to really like have debates and and discuss things, in a, and like I couldn't imagine that kind of thing today being on like network TV. That 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 level of discussion and debate. On a really, you know, the, the time there was inflation, interest rates were really high, there was an oil problem, and they discussed it all in terms of economics, but also in terms of like policy, right? And what, what how it should be handled. And the audience was even engaged, and they asked like really good questions. So I'm thinking, hey, were people just fucking paying attention more, or what the hell is going on now? Well, Where nobody can even have like a, they can't even agree on like the premise.
2: There's no venue for those kinds of things anymore. Like you see like Friedman debates, or you look at like... <laughs> Even, like, Gore Vidal versus Buckley, you know, that famous one. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's no, you know, mainstream TV that would never, there's no, like, audience for that kind of thing anymore on, like, cable or, like, mainstream TV. The only way that you can find that is, like, if you go to college, you know, occasionally they'll host, like, debates, you know, or, like, podcasts that you, like, have to seek out or, you know, YouTube. So, like, the the democratization of the information. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess
1: you can find a lot of that stuff in other venues, but, and back then it was just, there was pretty much, you're on, you want to watch TV, you got a few options for- Yeah, you got network. four
2: channels, you know, and one of them has, you know, Buckley and Vidal yelling at each other. So, I mean, yeah, it's-, it's but, but like changed. I said, even
1: in that, in that Friedman thing on Donahue, it was like an hour, it was pretty long. There was, and Donahue was known, he was, I think one of the first kind of talk show hosts to get like audience engagement, but, but people would ask, you know, really- so not some of them better than others, but but th- th- there was a genuine kind of interest or awareness of what was going on.
2: Yeah, it was a different. But I mean, people have always been like uninformed. Like, I I just think that like, I don't know. The the w- widespread access to the internet has been like g- very good in some ways for like political discussion and like dialogue, but it's also been like extremely horrible and sort of like the erosion of well, you I mean, know, I've, I've talked.
1: I've talked a lot about this with other people and I've thought about it a lot. I mean, like you said, I mean, before there was like ABC, NBC, you know, CBS, you know, Cronkite or Peter Jennings, and then they could control what information people, people read or or watched. Right. New York times or big newspapers or TV or radio and radio changed, you know, TV changed that too a bit, but, but now you can go and there's options for anything you believe. There is an option to just consume only that. Right. If you,
2: uh, this
1: is related. Which, Which is good because there's less control of information, but it also means, you know, you can just hear one voice or one perspective that maybe even fucked up or totally wrong. But that's like, and plus social media has amplified that even to where you, with algorithms, you just see one world perspective, even though we're all living here together. You're living in, people are living in different kind of realities, you know?
2: Yeah. Have you watched the, uh, there's the the new Alex Jones documentary um, by, I forget her name, but she did uh, TFW and OGF, which is about, like, the incel movement. Um, oh, yeah. Alex Lee Moyer, that's her name, yeah. but she did Alex's War. I haven't seen the new one. Yeah, it's really good. It takes a more sympathetic view towards Alex than, like, other mainstream documentaries have, which have sort of painted them into a corner as, like... He's like this he's a psycho, you know. There's no real like debate to be had. But hers is like it shows him from the beginning. Like from his like Kate like public access TV show in like Dallas. And like there's there's always been an audience for that kind of thing. And like he's incredibly charismatic. He's like he knows his his stuff. He's he did some like incredible like on the ground journalism about like Bohemian Grove and stuff. He snuck into that guy yeah. with that weird yeah, yeah.
1: E- effigy and the the outfits the and shit yeah. and the weird, yeah. It's, it's so I remember creepy. like fifteen, I don't know, fifteen, sixteen years ago, maybe more. I, I, I'd, I'd like come across him on YouTube, yeah, and I'd watch it, and I was kind of like, this is, you know, eighty percent kind of crazy, but then twenty percent, you're like, mm, that's interesting. Like some of the stuff he would say was thought provoking or interesting, but it was just like a YouTube kind of weird. You're on at night and you end up on some video and you go rabbit hole.
2: And YouTube used to truly be lawless. Like, I mean, all the the whole internet used to be, it was much like less controlled back in the day. Like, like it, it was easier to find things and like for better or for worse, it was easier to find things. And like, it's, it's much more, it's more moderated, but it's also more like it's sold back to you now. But like the early internet, there was more room for like competing venues and like different ideas like that. And again, for better or for worse, but like Alex was on YouTube, you know, and he's not certainly not anymore but like um
1: so so you were born in what 2000? 2001. What what month? February. So you were like a baby when 9/11 happened.
2: Yes, but oh, I remember so. it very clearly. I remember so, looking at the TV. I oh, couldn't yeah, hold my I'm head sure, up. I'm sure, I'm sure, I yeah. said I said I said to myself <laughs> I said
0: this this will irrevocably change foreign <laughs> policy in the Middle East forever and usher in a new era of mass <laughs> surveillance and global war that'll never end and and this is going to change American foreign policy irrevocably yeah. for the worse. You sound like
1: an old woman with that voice. Yeah, that's how I sounded as a baby. That's a good. That's a good. You could. You could almost. You could. You could do like a. What's it like? Voices, you know.
2: Oh, dude, I love. I mean, I. I'm not good at them, but there's some voices I did. That, that that's was pretty. That do. one was
1: pretty good. But so I was a junior in high school. So obviously, for me, it was like I, I remember going to school. Um, the first one hit, and. I was, we were like, oh, must that's weird. What the fuck happened? You know? And then we get to school and then we actually, phys- I like watched the second one and go in oh man, with my friends in class. And then we stuck around class for like a couple hours. And then the we were, I was talking to my friend, Steven, and I was like, man, I think they're going to have to like demolish these buildings. Like when the shit gets, you know, put out, cause like, what are they going to do? And then the thing collapsed, I watched it collapse. Yeah. And then they were like, everybody go home.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's that. Again, I was, I was around, but I wasn't, you okay. know. The reason
1: era. I asked that was because I was born in 84, so I was like, you know, in like the 90s, I was like a teenager, and that was internet. I mean, that was like primitive internet where we're like, what is this? Yeah. What do we
2: do with this? Dude, I wish I'd been around the 90s. I would have cleaned up in the 90s. I would have been unstoppable in the 90s. I don't have any, like, basis. For, I just think that... Like, 90s was
1: a, ti- it was a time. It was... Yeah. It was, for me growing up, um, it was like the start of technology and the, the r- rapid kind of... um acceleration of technology but but i also like grew up when there when there wasn't cell phones and you'd go and like during the and summer, sp- summer especially in summertime it's like i'm gonna go mom and dad i'm gonna go play i'll see it we just went places and like yeah on our bikes and we ended up going like crawling in like you know we would go in the desert and we'd crawl down these manholes and we'd just do weird shit that like now it's i've you know see a story a few weeks ago some lady's kid walked home like a 12 year old kid like a half a mile from school and they like arrested the mom
2: yeah, that's, like, extremely strange. Like, I mean, it is, I, I don't know. I think, like, the helicopter parenting is sort of, kids can't function on their own anymore, but, you know, whatever. I don't know. Well, so kids. So
1: what was it like? In, so you so you grew up, you were born, so you're going to school with kids who didn't really, I mean, kind of grew up with, maybe they were aware there was, like, a war and stuff was happening, but probably not really, definitely not experiencing somebody who lived through, like, 9-11. But yeah. you're going with school with all these kids who are, Raised in a whole different, like, you know, you're, you're 10, or 11, toys, you know, Facebook, cell phones are ubiquitous. So I know. was, I
2: didn't get on social media until like much later in life, which, oh, thank God.
1: Because I, I don't think they should let kids go on the, till they're 15 or 16. No,
2: certainly not. I, I would even say like 18. I don't think anybody should be on social media. It's like, it's, it's extremely hard. I am, but like, you know, I don't listen to my own advice, but like. You don't, yeah, have, you don't have Facebook though. I have Instagram and that's it. I used to have Facebook. I was a. Menace on Facebook.
1: Luckily, you have Instagram because of all the hunky that You did the hunky Lee profile. Dude, he... That was a good profile. I haven't
2: checked in on him in a while. I wonder where, where how he's... He's, like, gone... I think he's
1: degraded I think he's, like, degrade, degrading down to a He's like a bad place.
2: He's, like, spiraling. Poor hunky, man.
1: But, but I want to ask you about the kids you went to school with and, like, all this kind of this, this woke this woke stuff going on and all this stuff at universities. And then, I mean, kids growing up in a whole, like, compared to me, a whole different fucking world. Yeah, well
2: I I so the woke culture as like a monolith. I didn't really even become aware of it until like 7th grade. And that was when I started to become like politically conscious. And I say politically conscious and I mean I was like Ben Shapiro Epic Compilation owns libs crushes, you know. That was like the extent of my I was like
0: this is great. This is fun to watch.
2: <laughs> I was I, I didn't have any concept of politics beyond that. Like I knew, like I, so I so was. you were like
1: twelve, thirteen.
2: I was like twelve or thirteen, being like,
0: whoa, he really got those guys,"
2: you know. And that was it. I think that's how most kids get into politics nowadays. You see, like a clip compilation of like some, you know, public figure on YouTube, and you're like, "Well, this is gonna be it for the next couple of years." You know, I'm not gonna dig into it any more than this. Um, but like that was my first experience with like politics at large, and more specifically, woke culture. But it was like, it. I I don't. I genuinely don't think it was as bad as when i when i was in high school like i think that like people had sort of a sense of like scope and of scale and of like um context when i and i think like i don't know how kids are doing it now like it's got to be especially when like everybody like, I guess like,
1: it was still a little bit nascent when you were yeah so so you you were 15 in 2015 so you were 16, you, so 15 2016 so you you graduated what, in 2017 18 19 college no, no high school yeah 19 okay so you graduated so you were in high school that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it probably didn't really start accelerating until three or four. I mean, really, kind of accelerating until three or four years ago.
2: It was. It was certainly around. Like I remember reading about like how they, they wouldn't let Shapiro on campus because again, I mean, that's like a Shapiro thing. But like they wouldn't let him on campus because there was like mobs and I. Well, there was like Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't Milo. Thing. Milo again. He, he is gone. Like, no, he's he's not. back. Where I don't. I, he's hanging out with Kanye now.
1: He used to be like all the time. He was on yeah. Bill, he peaked. He was on Bill Maher. He was he, a guest. He, he was, was like a really notable YouTube. public figure. He was like everywhere.
2: The the well, then he made like a comment which I I'd have to go well, back. He, he made a lot of comments. He made a lot of comments. Some of them was one. Some of them were, just, one, was, of them were
1: it, it's like even there's provocative and then there's just kind of like dumb. And he was on Bill Maher and you know this was years ago. And even Bill Maher was like motherfucker, calm down. Like, he
2: he said one specific thing and I don't want to say it because I I want to go back and make sure that I'm like not misquoting him. But he said something about like. Relationships, and I'll leave it at that. But he's, and that was, I think that was. the Oh, I think it was
1: about like almost because he's gay. Yeah, but it was well. No, so
2: the thing about Milo is, I was on Telegram for a while, and he has a Telegram channel, and I used to follow him because, and this was like 2020. What the hell is Telegram? It's like it's like a messaging plat. It's kind of like Signal, but it's like like WhatsApp. You can you, you can follow people, and then they'll send mass messages to people. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. It's like Twitter, but you can separate it into different channels. But so he he. He brands himself as not gay anymore on Telegram. And I don't really, I mean, that's not really, I don't care. He's know? pretty,
1: he's kind of like hyper fabulous. Yeah. Like his, his, his like his whole outfits and every, like everything about him.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, he brands himself as, as and I'm quoting him here. Well, because
1: he he's conservative, but he would always talk about how he has like this, this like black boyfriend, yeah. which was like yep. the, the kind of, I gotcha. Yes.
0: <laughs>
2: yes, he did. He was also like hyper Catholic too, I think, if I remember correctly. Or maybe that's him now. Like
1: my view on him at the time, after kind of for a while watching him, paying attention, I was like, okay, this person is just—he's just provocative, and he's just—he found this kind of weird thing, and he capitalized on it for for a while, and I'm sure he made some money. But I think didn't he get banned from Twitter a long time? He's ago? He's banned from everything. He was banned. Like, like, not, he was one he, of the early ones to get banned. Yeah, he
2: from. was one of the first because he de- he said something about. No, that was Roseanne. I forget who he insulted, but he they kicked him off. And then it and was Did say something about like relationships
1: with like younger people like if you're like age, yeah. like if you're old like with kids or something, something really weird? That's what I
2: remember being like the the inciting incident that people were like, All right, we're done. Time to go. And since then he's been sort of underground. But then he kind of he made a resurgence on like he was like hanging out with Kanye. Kanye calls him his like campaign manager. Like recently? Yeah, within the like last
1: week. So what do you think about and this is all over the news, but you know, Kanye West went to Trump with this um days. Yeah, Nick Fuentes guy who I didn't I knew I knew the name I guess and I mean I, I hate I I think this term like white nationalism gets, yeah. gets overused and racist people have erases. forgotten what an actual white supremacist. But, but, but I think looks this like. guy like he, I was listening to some of his stuff. He is he is kind of out. He is kind of I'd almost say he probably is that that word that white nationalist applies to him.
2: Well, he's like Hispanic too, which is equally funny. But like Fuentes, because yeah, some of
1: the stuff he said, I was I was like, wow, this guy is, is kind of out there and. The fact, that, and then Trump was like, "I didn't even know he was coming." I mean, Kanye brought him.
2: Well, Fuentes had his like moment in the sun, and I think it sort of peaked in like twenty twenty. I late don't know much. About, I don't know much
1: about him. I mean, since he this dinner thing, I listened to a couple things, and I, I did. I mean, you know, ten minutes of who's this person after the stuff happened. But what's his? He was what's his deal?
2: He was an America firster. That was his thing. Think of him. He's like a little Milo without being gay. But he was like, he's had some, a lot of the same rhetoric, and he would show up at like CPAC and just sort of cause a stir. You know, and like it, he was one of those like like online guys that people really like really resent, it really he, people really like clung on to him as like a so, sort of so, a figure. You so know. Of,
1: of all these, I mean, Ben Shapiro was one of them and, and he's turned his he's actually built something pretty amazing.
2: Shapiro was the first. Shapiro li- and like, like Crowder. I think I like Ben
1: Shapiro. I really I listen to him a lot. His morning show and um, I enjoy his, his take. I don't always agree with some of his, but I just enjoy listening to him. Um the one I cannot stand, I don't know why, I mean, I don't even have necessarily a reason, I just cannot stand that Charlie Kirk fucker.
2: Yeah, Charlie Kirk, I don't... I think I don't there's he, something about him,
1: I don't know what it is, I just, I cannot even watch it. Yeah, no, he's, Kirk extremely, is like a, he's a real grifter. Extremely obnoxious.
2: is the thing. I mean, they're all grifters to an extent, but like, at least Shapiro will give you something in exchange for it.
1: Well, Shapiro built a whole, the yeah. Daily Wire, he's built a big media yeah. business. I mean...
2: Kirk is like hanging on his coattails, you know? And this, see, this is going to come back and bite me in 10 years when I try to get an internship with, like, whoever's in charge of TPUSA for, or whatever. But, like, Kirk, Kirk is just Shapiro light, but without any of the, like, the charm. I,
1: mean, I remember he got this interview one time, and I forget who it was with, but they kind of asked him about, it was about Trump, and, and, and he said, the question was, like, what if Trump does something you disagree with? And he's like, I'm not here, I'm here to promote Trump, period. Yeah. Like he, even, like, he even said it out loud. Like, I'm here, I don't care what he says or what he does, I'm here for Trump. Which is like, to me, you have to think for yourself. I mean, I have a lot of friends that I consider close friends, but if, I mean, if they say something or do something that I really don't, I'll tell them that because they're my friend.
2: I, so I have a theory about like right-wing media figures like that, like Shapiro or like Crowder or Kirk, and it's that the market for guys like Shapiro is oversaturated. There's, there's him, there's room for him, there's room, there was room at one time for Steven Crowder. Kirk is yeah, well, just, he? He kind of went. He he's is he still doing his thing?
1: Because he was big for he was big and he I had that don't, show with he had like a him. show with three or four other guys and
2: yeah he would do that like change my mind. I think he's still around doing that. But again a lot like, louder with he would definitely yeah, do the morning Greyer.
1: show. But then the he would do the change my mind stuff, which were you know, a lot of those. Some of those videos got a lot of you know a lot of views.
2: Yeah, because that's in the same vein as like the Shapiro owns libs at college campuses epic compilation. But so there's room for like Shapiro and like maybe one or two other guys in that sector of the market. So then, you know, if you want to gain, like, a following, if you want to get, if, if you, assuming you want, like, people to hear what you have to say and, like, follow you with any sort of, like, you know, not religious, but, like, any sort of meaning, right? You either have to go to the left and become, like, a, hey, you know, we're not so different kind of guy, or, or, or become, like, something that the left is. Well, like, why doesn't, with, like, I mean,
1: why doesn't the, the left, they, I mean, they don't have figures like that. I mean, they have the Young Turks. Who's that woman? She actually debated Ben Shapiro. A year ago, it was really, really. Um, I forget her name. She's kind of the Contra points?
2: Is that it? No, no. It's it's from uh, the
1: Young Turks. It's like oh, this, um, I'll look her up here in a second. They have
2: they the left has a lot of they have like Hassan, they have contra, they have like all these like. But why
1: don't they get as much? And, and maybe maybe that's maybe that's me in the bubble. I don't. I just don't. get a don't lot. I just don't see that stuff. I mean, there's the one kind of. He's like a Muslim guy, but he he's kind of I think.
2: Yeah, he Hassan. does a lot.
1: Of, yeah, I saw yeah. I, so I've seen. His he's stuff. like the Twitch guy. Oh. I don't I just don't see, see seem like I see and maybe that's the algorithm maybe I just don't get that stuff fed up to me.
2: No, there's but. there's a significant like kind of left-wing, you know, younger like influencer uh, demographic that it just for whatever reason you're not seeing just be I mean they they do exist and they're out there and they get like a pretty significant like uh contra one of like the notable leftist YouTube philosophy wonks was like on Hillary Clinton's TV show, you know. Yeah, so they're a, they're out there. I was there.
1: thinking of um Anna Kasparian. Yeah. So she's the young Turks and she had a thing with at some university last year. And she debated Ben Shapiro and you know, they, they had a really good, it was great. I mean, it was a really good discussion. It was kind of what I was talking about with Phil Donahue and Milton Friedman, but some of the people, somebody else I cannot stand. And I think I really understood why I can't, couldn't stand her after she went on Joe Rogan is Candace Owens. Not I, a fan. I. I she went I on Joe Rogan and she could not, people like her, they have these like takes and they're, they're great. And like, an environment they control, whether it's a college campus or whether it's some, whatever, it, if they control it, they're really good. But when they go on like Joe Rogan, and he starts asking her, you know, a little bit deeper about some of these questions, and I'm not, I'm not even saying you can have, you know, different opinion, there's no problem with that. But she couldn't even, like, discuss any of the topics for real, You wanna, past you, the talking points. I, see,
2: I, I was looking this up because I couldn't remember what the talent agency was called, but did you know that, like, Oh, Candace Owens, like Lowe and Bobert, all of these, like, a lot of these, like, right-wing media figures. Oh, that Bobert, all, she,
1: she's an, oh, my God, she's another beauty. Well, they all come Ooh.
2: from the same talent agency, Explore Talent, and there's, like, a conspiracy theory out there that they just sort of really they, they farm these people out, and, like, you know, oh, we need, like, another media figure here, just throw one of the talent agency people at them.
1: Well, I was, I was kind of shocked, maybe it shocked, but I was surprised, I guess, when Ben Shapiro brought on Candace Owens to his team, and she has, like, a show now, and I, I guess I'm sure they know each other from – they're in the same kind of circles. But, you know, even like Matt Walsh, I don't know if you watch him or – Yeah,
2: Walsh is okay. You I mean, know, he,
1: he's, he's just – I think he's kind of like almost like you. He's a little bit drier and kind of funny. The way he talks is – and the way – what he says is – it's funny and entertaining.
2: Walsh still has his time in the sun. I think Walsh is still – he got a lot of flack from that. Remember the you did that documentary and it was what like, is what a woman? A I actually haven't seen it yet. And I've, I've I haven't seen either. But bits i bits of
1: it, and, and I, I, need to, I need to see it because um, – yeah, he. They really went after him a, after that. Yeah, thing.
2: good old Matty. Yeah, Matt's still got some time. No, Matt hasn't yet. His his star is still yet to ascend to its zenith.
1: Well, and with being with like the Daily Wire, you know they. I mean, they have. I Forget, I think almost a million subscribers, but then they they have the YouTube channels and they're doing like. I mean, they do a stream a show every. There's another guy there, Michael something. I don't really watch him. Michael
2: Knowles.
1: Michael, yeah, I don't watch him as much. Um, but I mean, they go and they speak and they do their shows and they, they've cultivated a pretty incredible, um, me, you know, media kind of operation.
2: Yeah. But so the thing about those guys is that you can be, you can be like a Shapiro, like one of the originals and you you're kind of exist sort of the, you know, like the right, but not too far to the right that you're unappealing, you know, or you, you become, well, he, like he was a,
1: against Trump originally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was one he never Trump kind was. Of switched.
2: Yeah. Or you're like a, um, like a Blair white, you know, like a trans woman who like, you know, Spouts these very like right wing ideals. Someone who's like who exists as somebody that, sh- by all prob you know should be
1: a leftist but isn't. Or well, there, and there was like for a while. I don't know if she's still out there, but there was like a Lena Dunham, um, the the actor who she'd get out there and kind of say things.
2: Lena Lena's more of like a like a Bernie like a left. Is it? Lena? Are you thinking of Lena
1: the the actress who who was in some I forget what shows, but she she would have
2: she was in Girls, but
1: she's always been like a, she would have she was these, always like, been like a Clinton. She, she would be. Somebody that people like cited or listened to.
2: Yeah, on. yeah. I, I I only ever know her from like her that horrible SNL thing she did, where she was like, "My pantsuit is popping." It was like when when oh, that else? was the thing that lost Clinton the election. Was that horrible? I mean, look <laughs> it right. up. Look it up when you get a second. It, look is, it is. It's brutal. But yeah. So so there's like there's you get Shapiro, you get people that are kind of that are right wing, but they 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 exist as sort of like a figure that should be a, a left winger or. You just go far to the right and you become like a Fuentes, Milo, Mike Ma, et cetera, et, et cetera. He's another like kind of right-wing figure. He, out, he used to work with Milo. But so the, those are the three types of people you can be if you want to exist as a fairly profitable or at least notable media figure on the right.
1: Because for those people, I mean, Ben Shapiro built this business, but for, for the other ones who are kind of on their own, they have to attach themselves to somebody who's successful that can pay them or they have to through their own channels or through their own kind of means – Get get enough people to pay attention to them to to, to monetize it. So it's yeah. it's not like they're working. Most of them aren't working for somebody. They're they're trying to make their own kind of way by getting people to pay attention to them, and then they make some money.
2: One of those one of those guys that's really made it on his own, like with his own thing. That uh, so far as I know hasn't really attached his like brand to any other media figure. Was uh, uh what's his name John Doyle on YouTube? Who's kind of he's like a He's like maybe a year older than me, but he's like made he's made a name like a significant name for himself as like a sort of like a paleo conservative right wing pundit um, who I think is sort of ascendant in the the right wing media franchise. But he's one of those guys that's really like made it as far as I can tell on his own. So it it's possible, you know.
1: See, I mean, I'm the I'm I'm the person that watches a lot of these people like Ben Shapiro or Matt Walsh or some maybe some other buddy come across and you know. YouTube or something, but then I also I really enjoy the NBC Nightly News. Which, yeah, I don't know if you watch Lester Holt, and they have these, you know, all these different me- you know journalists on there, and I just enjoy because to me that's like, or or I listen to the Daily podcast a lot, or I'll listen to the Meet the Press, um, and I'll get that kind of, it's a different you know format. Obviously, it's more more professional and it's a little little more mainstream, I guess. But I I like that because to me that's good information, and plus they talk to, you know, like Meet the Press, they interview policymakers all the time, and right. legislators and, and people in Congress, nightly news, I, I feel like I'm getting a, a good picture of kind of what's really going on at the you know moment in time.
2: I think that there is like a significant appetite, among, especially among younger consumers of political media, for at least a format that is, if not genuinely raw and like uncut and like on the street and unf- unfiltered, that at least takes that appearance, you know? So like I think, and, and this is like just sort of based on what I've seen pop up like in in trends you know you see like right like right and left wing media people i think you're gonna like see a pivot to that kind of like production style and like um in in f- as opposed to the very polished and like cut and dried nbc abc cbs well you know for, format. For, for
1: a long time i was a really early kind of adopter of vice news yeah going back i mean gavin mckinnis another and, one of those yeah, guys yeah and, and um and um oh my god Oh God! What am I blanking his name? The guy with a beard, the guy who's kind of started it—one of the one of the main guys. Um, Gavin?
2: No. Uh, was it uh, Action Bronson?
1: No, no. It was it was one of the guy uh, Sh- Shane Smith. Shane, yeah. Okay. So, so v- Vice back early on, they were like going into fucking North Korea. Yeah. And, and they were, and then and then they they, they started. They st- I think they still have it, but it went off HBO Vice News Tonight, which is still around. But then for whatever reason, Vice the website became really weird. Vice it, it became, Vice Now is it basically like just like this kind of woke. Um, very lefty outlet. Yeah. But early on, Vice was, was like, and that's kind of with Landmine. Um, I I think about that a lot. Like, it's Vice News, fascinating, especially the early stuff, interesting coverage of things that most people weren't even looking at in a way that was really enjoyable and entertaining. But it was also really like, you learn a lot.
2: There's a really good pair. Have you seen a uh, documentary now on Netflix? No. it's So it's Bill Hader and Fred Armisen's like parody of popular documentaries, you know? But they do a Vice News one where it's like, we're going down south to find the drug lord El Chingo, and they like all they just keep throwing journalists at at Mexico. But they like they're like completely inept, and they just keep dying. So they but the the journalists they introduce it's a it's a parody of Vice called like Drones with a Z. But the the journalists they keep throwing they're like, yeah, we found Mikey Miles, and he was on scene interviewing racist sororities in the south. <laughs> we we got and here's our other guy. Uh, Charles, you know, whatever. And he was doing acid in North Korea. And it was like, just like they were, it was Mad Libs. It, I mean, that's a very good bit. I think.
1: Vi- Vice went, Vice really had this market. And then what happened was they got so successful. Um, and there's an article years ago where Shane Smith was a Canadian guy. One of the, one of the founders. Yeah. They were, they had some dinner. Uh, you hear about this?
2: Uh, it might've been before. They were
1: in New York and they, they, it was like a hundred thousand dollar tab. Like, yeah. And it's like, it's like, and he kind of justified, oh, you know, taking out clients or whatever he was doing. But it's like, man, they, they went from, I mean, like, dudes with cameras going into North Korea to, like, a company worth, you know, probably hundreds of millions of dollars.
2: You know, everybody sells out eventually. You either sell out or you die,
1: you know. Damn, Jake, that's
2: cool. You either so- No, I'm, I mean, that's just how it is. Like, that's just how, that's how it is in the media environment. And it's, it's how it's always been. You either maintain your integrity and you just, you, you know, you can't fight. You, you can't but, 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 compete. but Vice
1: built themselves. Like they did so well doing something that people loved. And then now they've, and I mean, they still have vice news tonight, which is good, but it's not, I mean, it was on HBO for a while, which it was a really, I mean, it was like three or four nights a week. And it wasn't, an, I think 30 minutes or so, sometimes it was an hour, but they, they go into fucking in, in, on the ground in Syria. Like they, they, they would go into Congo and they would, I mean, there's a great one they did about these people, these people that were used to be like fishermen, but these pipelines fucked everything up. So they were like, you know, um, they were sabotaging the pipeline to steal to steal gas, oil yeah. to sell like shit. That you know, NBC like ABC they ain't doing that shit. And it was really fascinating. I mean, some of the places they went, the people they saw, the interviews they did. Um, but but I don't know. Vice the website, it just I don't know what the hell happened. But well, it they became some the, really strange, almost like a almost like a um, what's that Buzzfeed a little bit?
2: Yeah, it's it be it's less of like it's not they don't they don't really do this anymore. But it's like. It's less of like you know here's here's dissenters in North Korea and now it's like here's five ways to drop acid in, you know in in Williamsburg, New York it's like okay cool hey thanks that's that's definitely something nobody's done but part of that is Gavin left and whatever else can be said about Gavin McInnes he was
1: great he was gr- he was good too yeah
2: and like he's like a he's another one of those like kind of reactionaries that had his time in the sun and I don't know what he does now but like Gavin really brought like a a real real guerrilla journalism style to vice and now he's now nah, and then he made it made the proud boys or whatever and uh, we don't have to talk about that but like yeah gavin is he the
1: one i think is he the he was one of the early was he was with Sh- did it, was he with shane smith back in the day or who who's let me vice
2: started as like a toronto skateboarding magazine if i remember correctly but it was him so gavin shane there was an india there was an
1: indian guy too that's still i think he's still involved i
2: think ariana huffington was part of it of the Huffington Post. Because for a while
1: in Vice News Tonight, I, when it was on HBO, Bill Maher was an executive producer. Yeah. And it got, like, big. I mean, Vice News Tonight was, I, like I said, I think it's still on. It might be on, like, Showtime now. I think it's switched.
2: But but see, that again, that's, like, the generational gap because I never really experienced Vice in the moment. Vice News, like, when it was really good. I only really caught the aftermath when it was, like, they're still making some, like, decent online yeah, content. Yeah, so yeah, here, here
1: it is. Vice Media founder Shane Smith. Here, yeah, Sirashi Alvi and Gavin McInnes, um... Launched the magazine, this is Wikipedia, launched Voice in Montreal in 1994, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then following an investment of $4 million by C- Canadian investor Richard Skolansky, Vice relocated to New York in 1999. In 2001, co-founders brought back brought Vice back and moved to the offices of Brooklyn. Extract, and then they went to, let's see here. And then later, the 2006 expansion is when, you know, I started kind of seeing some of the, like, North Korea stuff. And I mean, it was just I was, I'd like, I'd like seek out Vice news back then, because it was so good. It was so in- interesting and fascinating. No,
2: Vice was a big influence on I me, mean, at least like the, the clips that I could find, like YouTube clips of Vice, like there was one, there was a segment, it was like balls deep, I think with Thomas something or other. And he would go around and do like, he would go to like, uh, I think one that he did was really interesting, was like a graduation in Indiana, but like the graduating class. And it was like, how are you, how are these like Rust Belt kids going to survive in a increasingly like technological world. They did some really interesting stuff and I was, that was like an in, a really early influence on me and wanting to write and do some sort of journalism that was kind of like that, I guess. So, you know, not, show yeah, your influence. I mean, I,
1: I assume, I don't know about Gat, I'm sure Gavin's got a lot of money and I know Shane Smith has got a lot of money and maybe that changed, you know, like, like with landmine, it's very small, it's local Alaska, but we've, you know, we're, we're doing, we're, we're kind of in a weird spot. We can, we're, Growing, we have this equipment. We're able to do this election coverage. We're gonna you know, doing it, but it's very different. I mean, it's not like Channel Two. Yeah, it's a whole different. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, people people like it. People like that. I think different take. And we're trying to, but you know, I, I guess I don't know. These guys, they started off small, and then someday, you know, you you get so successful, you have all this money. I guess that probably would change your perspective. And plus, you have more people. You got more things to think about.
2: Yeah, and then you you're you have to play to your investors too. Like
1: that's what I mean. You have yeah. you know money, interests, and you have. Other considerations. I mean, I, I, I guess I can see how that would. So that I things say, could change.
2: Sell out. You either you either die, with your principles, or you sell out and you die later. I guess that's my that's my. What,
1: what's the Batman thing? You live long enough to yeah, become the hero, or
2: die. You die. Die the hero. Live long live enough to become
1: the villain. Yep. So so what, what was the other thing I was going to ask you about that? What's it, What what is that turning point USA thing? That's that Charlie Kirk deal. Like it's, what is that?
2: It's like a. They have really weird people. They're big on like college campuses. And I remember because they have, they had one in, at WSU, but it's just like, it's like a youth conservative thing, I guess. I, I don't, I wasn't, I was never really like part of it. It never really, yeah. I to think it. it's kind
1: of targeted to younger, you know, people.
2: Yeah. They're just, they're kind of just aping the Daily Wires stuff, you know? But
1: they, they definitely have, if got money, I mean, they have, they have a platform yeah
2: they've got investors they've got money they've got a pretty significant following but it's like i mean how how many times are you going to make the same like um tfw you own a lib epic impact font you know willy wonka meme
1: i mean there's so much of that stuff that's like out there that you you keep seeing and i I mean i I assume just because people watch it i mean they just keep coming out with new content same little videos or or the what i also notice and something I probably need to do more. Is you take a video or an interview that's an hour, you take a part of it that's really interesting, cut it down, kind of cut it down to different, and then it gets recycled. You, I mean, it's the same video yeah. that gets posted. You've seen it three years ago, but it's back posted again, and it's got a million views. You know, exactly.
2: Nobody's going to watch like a three-hour interview with Jordan Peterson. I mean, a lot of people will. That's not. That's not true. But like, a lot more people are going to watch a two-minute
1: clip of Peterson talking to Rogan about like
0: you've got to slay the dragon of intellectualism and you've got to fight your father and and all, you know.
1: He's he's another one that when he first came around, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago, I I was like, wow, this is great. I love listening to him. And, you know, he got really sick. I think he had some barbiturate issue. He went to Oh, he was on a lot of benzos. But but he, or benzo, yeah, it was barbiturates or... It was was a lot of different things.
2: He was also like on the carnivore diet for a while, which is really funny. Him and his daughter. Yeah, him and his daughter, who, he was like... He would go
1: on, like, live streams, and he'd be like, I've never felt better, but he looked, like, just gray and, like, pale. So he's one of those, kind of, like, similar to this kind of vice thing. I mean, obviously a much more accelerated time period, but he went from somebody I really enjoyed who was intellectual and, and fascinating and kind of made you really think, thought-provoking. He kind of went off the fucking deep end. And and then he came back, and now he's with, he's with that Daily Wire. Yeah. But he's just, I don't know, something, I mean, the money and the fame, maybe it got, because... He got he got kind of mean, <laughs> yeah. And just really weird.
2: Well, part of it is like overexposure. I, I read
1: his book, the twelve. I mean, I got the book and I was like, "This is." I learned a lot. That was a good book. Yeah,
2: but part of it is overexposure too. Like you see, you see Peterson, you know, and every fucking platform, you know, saying essentially the same thing, and eventually you're like, "All right, I'm sick of this guy. We want somebody else." You know, and I like, and maybe that's just me. Maybe it's the inherent ADHD of every Gen Zer, but like. But, I mean, did I, you, like, did you, I just you, want somebody else. Did you know? observe?
1: I mean, I observed that after whatever happened in Russia, I think they. He had a detox or something. Something bizarre. Like, stuff they wouldn't even do in America. Um, it was some crazy shit, but. He really he he slays the lobster, man. He just got whatever. like, he got mean. Like he went from being a little bit, you know, he's adversarial and he'll, he'll go, you know, back and forth. But respectful to like, just a, like really angry, mean. And I wonder if that was the money or the the, flu, influ, the, the fame or or what. But yeah, I and mean, very quickly like that guy. He,
2: what he should have done is just stuck to the original message, which was like a very, you know, kind of like a not hokey, but like here's my self help. All right, guys, get your you know clean your room or whatever. But then said he had to be like he had to go on Rogan and be like he had to become like a cultural pundit, which was never something he was really equipped to do. You know, I think he, he should have for- he should have just like stayed in the field he was good at offering like advice to sort of disenfranchised young guys. And that
0: you could have you could have been
2: you could have made a very good living, like a very significant living doing that.
1: Well, I think and I, he said this. I think he went from like, you know, he was a professor and a clinical psychologist making, you know, a decent salary to when he blew up like 6 months later, he had um like a million subscribers, like uh, w- w- what's the thing? Um oh, I I used to I had it briefly. We didn't really use it, but like you should subscribe to their kind of Patreon. Oh, yeah. He went from like making a decent living to making like something like a million dollars a month.
2: Well, and that was all precipitated by like, like if, crazy. If I'm remembering this correctly, he like
1: well, there was an interview in in England with that woman. Um, he was he did like a 20 minute or 30 oh minute yeah, interview. yeah 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 that, that's where I first saw him and that's where I think he really kind of started the but but before of,
2: that it was like he wouldn't use like a trans student's pronouns or something in class on Canada yeah 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 and that well, was well no it was it wasn't
1: it wasn't that it was he wouldn't uh, he didn't think it should be forced. Compelled by the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he was like, "That I'm against compelled speech. And that
2: was in like 2015, 2016, something like that. That was a while ago. So it yeah. was like the perfect, it was this perfect storm because p- you hear that and you like, be prick up your ears if you're like a right-wing kind of media guy because you're like, all right, this is it. This is, and then that's, I think that's how he like skyrocketed. I mean, that is how he skyrocketed. I don't know why I said, I mean, Talk
1: about falling hard. I mean, I think he was in a coma. Or, wasn't he in a coma or something that, I think it was drug, but he was, whatever happened, I know he went to Russia and did some like- Crazy shit.
2: Yeah, and then he he just sort of, like, dropped out, dropped off the map for, like, six months. And
1: now he's back. Yeah, now he's back. It's interesting, this kind of sp- cycle or of these people. I mean, I, I think from even for, like, I, I could imagine, I mean, if I got, I don't know, overnight, if I got super fucking famous and had half a million dollars a month, coming, I mean, who knows what would happen to me? Like,
2: I couldn't say. If I had half a million dollars a month coming and I would be dead in two years. I would just, I would lose it. I would be I would be the world's worst person. I don't mind saying that. Money would change me irrevocably. I, I
1: listened to uh, it was a while it was a while back. It was, you know, Chris Stapleton. Yeah, this is the country singer. Country singers. Yeah. He was on 60 minutes and they kind of profiled him and he's like one of the top people now. But he was like into his career into I think maybe 30s, he was like a, you know, songwriter. He was kind of behind the scenes and then he He wrote a lot of like hits. Oh like, yeah, no, he was he was, like, was really good and he was successful, but he was never then he like broke out and he became very famous. And he said, um, in this interview, I'll never forget it. He goes, I'm, I'm just so happy. I didn't get, this didn't happen to me when I was in my twenties because just, I, I don't know what I would have done. I mean, I, it, this is, I have a much better f- frame of mind to be able to deal with all this. Yeah. yeah. Mostly the money, you know? Well,
2: he was like, right. He was like a songwriter for like all for kind, other people. All, yeah. All kinds of, yeah. he wrote all kinds of, yeah.
1: but then he like, now he's one of the main, but it happened when he was like late, you know, older. Yeah. Yep. So anyways, um go back to you for, for for a second um you're back now you're you were working in a scrap yard
2: salvage yard for the Alaska automobile salvage shouts out
1: they they don't
2: they <laughs> shout don't out Snowmobile salvage yeah
1: shout out ass <laughs> that's
2: what it's called that's man? what their that's what their stickers were if you if you look i mean you'll see a truck around town every so Alaska often Well, if you'll see a truck around ass. town every so often with like uh, i'm an ass man written on it and that was that was the big thing <laughs> Those stickers, like, are out of print now, so that's, like, a, that's a yeah, I, I real get, vintage.
1: As far as you don't have one of those patches on your jacket there.
2: I'm trying to get, they, I was like, can you make, like, a sweatshirt? I've been working here for two years. Can I have a sweatshirt? And it so, never so,
1: so, but now you're, um, you're not doing that because I guess you're getting ready. You're taking the LSAT. I took the LSAT. I'm just waiting for law schools to get back to me. You know, I took, I graduated in 09. I was on the seven, six-year plan. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do, and I had all these different ideas. So I, I was like, I'll be a, maybe I'll be a lawyer. Fucking, why not? I mean, a lot of, that's a good job right? um and i took the also i don't remember what i got but i didn't really study for it i did bad but i was like this it's is this not fun is, you know that thing about there's four fucking people or no there's seven people and there's seven days and there's seven planes and you know molly oh, doesn't do the logic, fly game. tuesday, Dude, the logic but, games that's where but, I. that's where i bombed lo, lo, molly doesn't yeah. fly tuesday bill has to fly monday but can't fly thursday exactly oh my god
2: that's the that's the segment they call it logic games and that's the one where i know i did the worst And that's where everybody pretty universally says they do the worst is because it's like they give
1: you so little time to parse these things out. I remember I did like a minimal amount of prep and you're supposed to like, they teach you to kind of draw it out. You draw, you do these little diagrams and it's supposed to, but it's like they give you these like, this person can't do this or may do this or might do this. And then it's like, well, if this happens, what what happens?
2: Yeah. And it's like, you're looking at the timer and because they do it digitally now for- They've been doing it digitally for a while because since COVID. But you're looking at the timer and you're like, oh, God, I'm just you're like, I mean, for me at least, I'm like sweating. I'm like, this is, I, th- I, and I got like, I think I got like a 159 on it, and I was like, that's fine. I'm not taking this again because this is.
1: So you got your score? Yeah. So you did pretty good.
2: I, I did good enough
1: for all the schools that I want to go to. So. Because what's the top? The top's 180, right? That's like. Yeah, and that's like. If you get that, you can do whatever you want, right? Basically. Yeah. I don't know what I got. It was whatever I got. It was like mm, I'm not being a lawyer. So yeah. I kind of abandoned. Yep. But the problem, and when I was I'm older than you, but at the time, and maybe that's changed, but there was, that was back in, I guess, 10, 12 years ago, there was um, a study that came out. There was like 40 or 50,000 more lawyers a year being produced than jobs. Um, awesome. And there was some big class, I mean, I don't know if it's changed, maybe it's changed, but there was, it was funny, there was some class action, kind of ironic, of a bunch of law students, graduates, who were suing the law schools. Um for basically promising them, Hey, if we spend $150,000 year going to school or $200,000, we'll, we'll make all this money.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: it's like, uh, I C- figure C- cautionary tell it to you there. Buddy.
2: Yeah. I figure the worst that happens is I become sort of a Lionel Hutz figure. And I'm, from the Simpsons, the lawyer, the Simpsons lawyer. I don't watch Simpsons, but I think I've, I'm familiar with the reference. There's there's a throwaway line. La- it's one of my favorite lines. You gave businesses. a Simpsons reference on the. It's it's on, it is on the show. You said I will I will go to bat for the Simpsons seasons one through eight any day of the week. I think it is one of the greatest pieces of American art ever produced, and I will take you can you can take that to the base. What was your reference? Uh, you said... Uh, Mr. Simpson, and it's from the monorail episode for anybody listening. Y-
1: you said rank choice voting is like a, a
2: donkey with a wheel. Well, a uh, town with ranked choice voting is like a mule with a spinning wheel. Nobody knows how he got it and danged if he knows how to use it. And that's like, that's from, that's Phil Hartman says that in the monorail episode. Someone out there will get that reference.
1: The, the Simpsons one that I always remember is the, the movie.
2: When, yeah. When they're, when, when they're like, welcome to Alaska. Here's $1,000.
1: Here's $1,000. Woo! That, it's...
2: That one, it's not a great movie, but it is functional.
1: But there's this guess, so so you're um, took this LSAT. So now you're you're, you're looking to go to like a You're applying for law schools now. I've applied. I'm just waiting to hear back. So you, you did. I don't know if you want to say your score now, but you did pretty well. It sounds like you did pretty good.
2: I got a 159. That's pretty good. That's I mean, okay. You know it is what I, it is.
1: I think one like I mean I think I recall isn't like kind of the 160s like that's kind of whatever. Um, like what's the, what's the bot? I mean one. Like, what's this range?
2: I think if you don't do any... I mean, 120 is, like, the lowest you can get. But, like, 140 is where you start being, like... You'll get in, but they won't give you anything. So, like, one... As I recall, like, anything above, like, 170 is kind of... You can, like, write your ticket, right? 170, like, for the Ivies, it's, like, 175 and above. Like, it's that's a given. Like, you can't not go to the Ivy League Law Schools without 175 or an above. And then, like... So Once, you you can, you can take it again. You can. can. I'm not going to. But uh, one sixty through one seventy five or whatever, you you can pretty well negotiate your own.
1: So so when I was looking at it back in the day, some of my friends that have gone, um, and I, maybe this has changed, but it was like really almost impossible or very very hard to get any kind of scholarships for law school. Is that still the case? Or
2: I don't know. They they uh, they say they. they I mean. Like, a a friend of mine that I went to WSU with, same major as me, same graduated the same year, same comparable GPA, got into, like, a West Coast law school doing environmental law, and he was able to negotiate his scholarship down to, like, almost, like, 75% of tuition was being paid for. But that was because he got into a couple schools, and he kind of, like, played them against each other and was able to be like, all right, I'll go here, but you got to give me something.
1: Well, I would just tell you that, and this is speaking from experience, I moved to Alaska, and... I you know took some student loans because they kind of throw it at you and um, I've paid all I mean I've almost paid all them off a while back but um, do not go in debt man do not go in big hawk because it follows you and you don't think about it but you know you got to pay it back and I tra- figure if try I'm going go to avoid debt. you know avoid take as few loans as you possibly can
2: yeah if I go into debt for law school that's I'm going to minimize
1: it as much as I can but so do you have some ideas of like do you want like where you want to go or uh,
2: some West Coast, like, uh,
1: was gonna, what did I
2: apply to? A couple of schools in Oregon, some, some in Idaho, some in uh, Montana. You
1: know. So when should you? So you're, you're looking to start next in August. August. So you're yeah. you're you're gonna find out, I assume, in spring, maybe or sooner? supposed to
2: tell you in like December. You know. So oh, so pretty soon. All the so you look on the application status page and it all says like in review. So I'm sort of in limbo. So you're you know? like right now you're waiting. So I'm just waiting. How right many? Now. How
1: many do you, do you apply to? Eight.
2: I learned my lesson from undergrad. I was like really. I was like,
0: I'm going to go to Harvard. I'm going to go to get because I was like, I got to. I'll get to Harvard and Yale and and U Penn, and they'll all love
1: me. And I got I applied. Sorry, I, you're, you're smart. You're real smart. So I assume you did pretty good in high school. I did okay.
2: I, I did good enough. Let's say this. I did good enough to get into WSU, the part the preeminent party school of the Pacific Northwest. Nice work. So, well, that's that's if that's an arbiter an indicator of my academic success.
1: So if you get into let's say 6 of these schools based on your friend's situation, you might you might be able to play them, "Hey, well, I got, I want to go here, but I got into here, they're offering this." Yeah,
2: I have I have sort of an idea of what I can do and like kind of an idea of how much I could potentially get money-wise. But it all depends on what, you know, what schools I get into. So
1: you'll you'll um I guess have a decision by January probably. Yeah. And then, what's your plan? Are you going to stay here until? Are you going to stay here until you go to school in August, or are you going to go early?
2: I'll, I'm going to stay here, uh, and find some kind of work. Because I mean, besides this, will
1: you continue to to, to do stuff for landmine in law school? I don't
2: know. Hopefully, I mean, oh, hopefully, we don't lose you, buddy. Well, see, so here's here's the other thing. My five year plan takes in is it's sort of built around the inevitable threat of like a nuclear war, right? So. One year law school. Hey man, Eastern Europe turns into a Eastern Europe turns into a field of glass. So it just got real.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then I just move home and become a warlord or something. Well, where I think it's all gonna break down, where it's all gonna start is Taiwan. Not Ukraine, but Taiwan is where it's all gonna start. if, if Taiwan is invaded. The only question is what do we do? It's the only nothing. question. We can't do anything. Well, then, that, that, then that, 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 that's it. I mean, that, our, that, our, that, that establishes China as a super th- Our these, time as the world's preeminent yeah, superpower if, is... If we do nothing, that establishes... Extended. Here's the crux of it. That establishes China as the new superpower. Mm-hmm. Um, if we respond... Because we have a treaty. not a, Actually, it's not a treaty, but it's... What do you call it? It's kind of right below a treaty. But essentially, we have an agreement with Taiwan that we're going like, to hook them up. We're going like, to protect them. It's not a treaty. we have to. It's not like a NATO type thing but we we do have and it goes back to long i mean it's very i think it goes back to the 50s what's that thing called
2: it's like an unwritten, i, I know you sort of know what you're talking it's about it's signed
1: I, yeah but take a little take a little google here
2: yeah if ukraine is any sort of indicator of how that kind of situation would go we can't i mean we got to just take this one Well sit it, this it, one out
1: <laughs> yeah the yeah sino american mutual defense treaty Formerly mutual defense treaty between the United States of America and Republic of Taiwan it was a defense pact signed between the United States and the Republic of China effective 1955 to 1980 and then it was redone there's like a it was renewed but yeah i mean it's basically it's it's essentially it's like you know we're we're like we got you and if if we do nothing it establishes China as the new power but if, if we if we come in hot and and you know defend them then that's a war then, yeah, no, it's over. Nat, Nat hers posted something. It was like, I, I actually need to read it. Um, it it was a New Yorker kind of, do you see this? It was like a, a, a big, I have, to re, I have to read, I didn't read the whole thing. I read part Nat, of it. But Nat it was, hers posted it? I've, it was an excerpt of this New Yorker thing, but part of it, let me see if I can find it here. It was like. I'm trying to find this article I found about, about Apple in China, but sorry, go on. And, I used to work in IT, you know, and it's interesting how. Cisco and these big, you know, companies. I mean, they they sell China the equipment to like let them lock down their internet and let them, you know, you know, do all this super super kind of hardcore um, censorship.
2: Well, Tim Cook is like working with the the CEO of Apple is working with Xi Jinping to disable airdrops so that Chinese protesters can't organize. So like, if there's any sort of indicator as to how the corporate world at the very least would react to like Taiwan, you know, getting getting took, they wouldn't do anything. There's there's too much money. And like a man, like manufacturing, like they wouldn't do anything. We wouldn't do anything.
1: I'm finding this here. Here it is. So this is from Nat Herz. It's from New Yorker, and it's um, you know, it's basically about kind of some war game scenarios they've done, and the simulations take many forms. But you just start with a crisis, like the election of a pro independence president of Taiwan, or with an outright invasion. This is like American war games are playing. Mm-hmm. Many of them end badly for the United States. Uh, Ochamanic said we usually lose. Sometimes the Chinese military is able to keep the U.S. Navy at bay and capture Taiwan. Sometimes the Chinese sink U.S. aircraft carriers. This puts the burden on the participants who are mimicking American officials. Do they give up or escalate? Do they strike China itself? Sometimes, when the U.S. attacks the Chinese mainland, the Chinese attack Alaska and Hawaii. He said, "The losses are very heavy." There's nope. a New Yorker article, a recent one that I'm gonna um, need to finish reading. But I mean, to, that to me is like where you know you look at Hong Kong and what happened there, what's been going on there, and you know what what do uh, what do we do if China moves on Taiwan? And that is like the ultimate scary scenario. Yeah. U- Ukraine to me, um, I, you know, I don't like what's going on. I think it's wrong what's ru- what Russia's doing. I also think there's a lot more complicated stuff happening that goes back eight years that people don't know as much about. Um, but I think, and I don't know if this is the actual strategy, but it probably is pretty close. It's just like Afghanistan in the 80s. If we put enough kind of weapons and money and resources if we give Ukraine enough, Russia has to keep sending weapons and people and resources and spend money. And we're basically bleeding Russia by keeping this thing going. That's what we didn't have. That was a strategy in Afghanistan. It, it was, but there's like, it's, it's
2: different because Russia was already on the way, sort of on the way out. Uh, Afghanistan was like a significant part of the reason that, because I wrote a term paper on this, which makes me an expert. Uh, the, the, but, but Russia especially. invaded Afghanistan
1: in yeah. 80 or whatever. And then we, we started helping the Mujahideen and we gave you know, CIA was there and we... It was I think cyclone. It was a and, proxy war. And and you go back and read. I mean, the, the strategy was like we can bleed these people. Yeah, we were never
2: directly involved, but we were just we were like funding the you know Bin Ladens and the, you know look how that turned
1: out. But we yeah. were you were funding like Mujahideen. Yeah. yeah, insurgents. It was groups. weapons. It was money. It was it was CIA training.
2: Yep. But then you de- then you destabilize the whole region, you know, and that leads to you know a twenty year forever war. So- well, if
1: you read Charlie Wilson's uh, book about this, it's a movie they made. He he wanted like where they kind of messed up was the rebuilding. They, they stopped the money when it was over. They yeah, we should left. have. Re, they sh- we should have rebuilt the thing. There
2: was just like a power vacuum, and then the. the and that, that's where everything because I think at, at had that, had that point, power. like there was some
1: huge amount of the population was like under fourteen. Yeah, there's. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I remember reading.
2: There's a really good book, um, by Art Yam Borovik. God, what's it called? It's it's from it's his perspective as a Russian journalist going into Afghanistan and like. From like eighty five to eighty nine, right before the Soviet well, that Union. That sounds really out. that sounds really interesting. It's called Oh, the Hidden War is what it's called. So it's him going on missions with like tank troops and like uh, you know, scout snipers and stuff and just talking to them about these these like Russian but none of them wanna be there. Like they they don't like it. It's a deeply unpopular war. They people are dying en masse. Like it's a nobody. Well, I mean, at it's just, home like, it's just it. like it's
1: just like no, they're all, you know, mostly yeah. all conscripts. I mean you have the two year actually most countries. A lot of Israel too. They have the two-year mandatory ser- military yeah. service. Yeah.
2: So then, then, but they're they're like massively under inflating or under reporting the death counts. And there's like, you know, it's there's like protests at home, and none of the soldiers. It's like a, it's not a war that anybody there particularly wants to. to well, be I mean, at, at the
1: end of it, a lot of in Russia, a lot of the moms were mm-hmm. re- really kind of the um, reason, or, or they were kind of the the. the focus of, of a lot of attention, you know, the moms who lost their, their their sons.
2: Yeah, there's a really good line in that where he's like, he's talking about how Russia is like uh, um, the Russian strategy with regards to like Afghanistan. And he's like, yeah, you can like keep a pre-feudalist outlook and like wear a Casio wristwatch, but one of those things is going to win out. And he's essentially talking like, you can't like keep fighting a war mm-hmm. against a very mobile insurgency and expect to do any damage. Well, I mean, sure, we
1: saw the same... <laughs> I mean, you know. it's, I've got, we could talk about that for hours. I mean, that goes back thousands of years, and Alexander the Great, you know, and yep. no, nope, nope, you can't. It's unconquerable, you know. Just keep throwing yourself at the same. You but know. but with that, with Ukraine, I mean, you know, and I understand there's there's the the, the threat of, of of Russian kind of use of nuclear weapons, but I mean, we we could like we could if we wanted to stop it, we could stop it today. We could, right? but then there's there's the what what happens there, and that's the really dangerous situation, but. It just seems to me, I, I don't know. It's it's like in Afghanistan. It's like we keep giving them money and, and weapons, and and this thing, you know, it's been shit. We're coming up on a year, just about a few a year, months, yeah. you know. And it's like and it's gonna keep going. I remember when because Russia Russia can't lose. No, like, they what can't. people don't understand is they can't lose. Yeah, it's just like with Taiwan, we can't let like China invade Taiwan. I mean, maybe we would. I don't know, but we they can't like if they lose. That's kind of it for them
2: right and it's like putin's already thrown so much at this that he i think he probably thought he could win a lot faster
1: than he did yeah and he, it's a very and and this is why when you hear people talk about the off ramp or like to state you know people get mad and it's like that's the only solution is find a way to agree to end the thing yeah everybody has to come to, to together so they can walk away and not with their you know tail between cuz they aren't going to walk away with their tail i'm not saying they 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 shouldn't Maybe they should, but they can't like they won't accept that yeah there is no outlet for Russia
2: except like complete victory or a massive regime change, and that's not or, like that's or, or, not an option Well, victory
1: or 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 a negotiated kind of end where where they can yeah, you put say, somebody hey, in office know.
2: that isn't zelensky that's pretty you know loyal to whatever putin wants and you like
1: know I, I, mean, this is something I I've spent a lot of time in russia and something we could talk about for a long time but the 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 biggest problem with people who advocate for like regime change and and, and you know whether it's Especially forced forced is the worst, but there would be a power vacuum in Russia that was would would not be filled immediately and who and nobody knows where it would end up
2: Well, look what happened in the nineties there was a it, it would it just ended up being ran by it was it was essentially like an organized crime it was like law yeah it was lawless it was, it I mean, was a I've, complete oligarchy
1: I've, I've talked to many 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 friends who grew up in the nineties in russia and and none of them have good stories yeah, it was pretty it was, universally was, a horrible was, place to be it was lawlessness it was this is where all the oligarchs kind of today made their money it was you know just you know, n- no sense of order, f- supplies, food, you know, people would, I mean, it was not uncommon for people to get, you know, old people drunk because they got their apartments given to them for nothing, very little money, right? And then all of a sudden they started becoming worth money and, you know, getting people drunk and you know, old older people, getting them drunk, making them sign the apartment over, paying them a little bit of money, and then they drop them off in the middle of nowhere. They freeze, you know, really horrible. I mean, it was a horrible, and this is, for the people who pay attention, they know this, but this is how Putin came, like- he promised order he promised the yeah. reestablishment of order and part of the part of the problem of the situation he's created was there's there, there's really no um there's there's no what's the word um succession plan cuz like part of his power is being the authoritarian that's in charge of everything united russia they really probably put somebody putin probably
2: has somebody picked to be his like successor.
1: Uh, well, there's a big there's like there's, you know there there's um, oh, what's is the foreign minister Lavrov. Yeah, I mean, but there's 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 Antonov. The the um, he's like it was the ambassador for a while. the Defense minister yeah. before. I mean, there's all these like people. But I just think there could be a big f- fight over it. And you know, there's Medvedev. I think people thought for a minute, but then he's not the guy. So there's just all this kind of no one knows what will happen. I mean, it would be. It would be a power vacuum. It's a huge country. Yeah, and Medvedev only exists with he,
2: he. can't exist by. He has to be Putin. It's Putin and Medvedev. It's not Medvedev. He can't do his own thing. Have you seen? Uh, have you seen the death of Stalin? Oh yeah, many times. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's what I think of a lot. Who, direct, I mean, who directed that? Uh, um,
1: uh, Armando Iannucci. God, that's a great movie. It's very funny. It's very funny, but it's also just so like, it's and I that's what I studied. In his, I really had like a focus on Soviet history, so I mean I was aware of like all the people and, like, what happened, but then when you watch it, I mean, they kind of make it a black, dark comedy. Yeah. But it's really kind of, you know, it's very accurate as, as far as, like, what the move Stalin made and after he died and crucial, how they all fought and all that, yeah. you know, kind of... That, that's very similar, probably, to how things would go.
2: Yeah, it would just be sort of like this squabble. A lot of people would be dead. Like, they, it, would be, they would be, it would be... It would be, like, you know, right after Stalin died because who do you take... Who do you fill that void with other than, you know, another... Strongman. Re- I mean, the
1: one the one difference is there'd be so much there'd be so much more eyes on it, you know, with 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 internet and all yeah. this. You know, back then it was pretty easy to, you know, just kind of control everything because there, there was not there was they, they could really control the information. Yeah. So well, we we got into a lot of topics here. Jay. That's
2: a good. It's a good movie. I forgot how fun that was.
1: Oh yeah, I should watch. That. I haven't seen that for a while. But yeah, yeah, if you're listening, you should watch Death of Death of Stalin. It's, it's a great.
2: It's great. Uh, B- Buscemi's in it.
1: Yeah, Steve, Bucking, he, he he plays... Uh,
2: um, Jeffrey Tambor's in it. I forget who plays the general, but he's great.
1: Damn. Who this, is Buscemi? There's a bunch of English actors in there. Yeah.
2: Um, all I can think of is Buscemi and Jeffrey Tambor, but...
1: Let me pull this up here. I, so for, who,
2: for the life of me, I can't remember who plays the general, and I can't even remember the general's name, but like the most notable Russian general... But he's so good. There's a scenery. Well, there was Mol- in. Molotov.
1: I like, I like Molotov's character. He's, a, he's the only one who kind of survived the whole deal. I mean, yeah. There, there was um, that was the big guy. They they, they 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 torched him. Was he was kind of the one who was uh, trying to consolidate all the power? What Was his, um, uh, starts with a B. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Bushman played krusha That's right. Um, Beria. Yeah, Beria. Beria. Yeah. yeah Simon they, Russell.
2: When they killed Beria,
1: it's and then you had uh, you had Stalin's son, who was the kind of the the fuck up was a good character. Death. Of... Damn, look and I'm looking here at yeah, Michael yeah, Michael Palin played Molotov. Anyways, great great movie. Jason Isaacs plays uh Zukov, that's what his name was. Oh, Ju- yeah, Zhukov, yeah. was the he was the general that oh, he won. Was... he was like he won the you know World War II for him. He, he was he, he was... was a massive hero. I mean, he yeah. was like the hero, you yeah. know, in the Soviet Union. Yeah, he, he he came in on a big horse.
2: Yeah, there's a scene where he takes his like jacket off, his like infantry jacket. With, with, yeah, with, it's, like, like, with like, all, like it's full of medals, and, and, and it like, seems the, like it's the, overkill. The music. Yeah, yeah, but and but like you look it up, and he like actually did win all of those, you know. Oh, he like
1: there's a you can watch it. It's black and white, but I mean he like rolled into Moscow on, like a like a white horse. And... Yeah. Anyways, Jake Hirsch, great, uh, great talking to you. Good good discussion. We I didn't know where we were gonna go into all this stuff. It's uh been covered, you know, independent media, right wing, Ben Shapiro, Milo, you know, I, Russia, I have many Ukraine, interests, Ukraine, Taiwan. That's the thing I like about you is like most people, I couldn't talk about this stuff with most people. Let alone really talk about it, you know. And you're 21, so I just read a lot. You're you gonna, know? you're gonna do all right, buddy. You're just gonna, you're becoming gonna
2: be, a, I'm a political science major. You know, I pick something up. You're gonna make, you're, you're,
1: you're gonna, you're gonna make it. <laughs> well, hey, good I'll talking to you. Keep writing for Landmine. You're always, I mean, you always have good ideas. So I, I do want to do, I do want to send you to like Coachella.
2: I would go to Coachella. I would go to that Vegas music festival, but it's sold out. It's sold out. We got out to the we gotta get you
1: kind of on the ground, and then yeah. I'd also I I I pitched you on this. I don't know. I think a I think a tour of Anchorage strip clubs would be a good. You know we, we you know we do Bush, we do, uh, what's the other one? Crazy Horse, and then what's what's the one? The eighteen um, there's another one. Sin Sin Rock, Sin, Sin Rock yeah.
2: Sin Rock, which does not serve alcohol. No alcohol. It's eighteen
1: plus, so I, they do have like twenty five dollar Red Bulls though.
2: Yeah, I'd have to pitch. I have to figure out. What it, I have to phrase that to the. Girl, I'm seeing now. I have to go to the club. No, it's it's for work. It's, it's work. Yeah, no, you're working. It's research. <laughs> it's work.
1: Oh man. Yep. Well, Jake, good talking to you. Um, folks, to listening, Jake Hirsch, He's one of our Landmine contributors. You can see his stuff on the Landmine, and he's always writing new and interesting things. And I'll be. Um, we'll do. We'll be doing some more. You know, down the road, get you doing the correspond. Well, hopefully, we'll get a little better equipment, so we'll get you more, uh, a little more communicative.
2: Yeah, I'll be at that. What's that Twitter thing on Friday or whatever? Or-
1: Oh yeah, I'm gonna have to wait to post this till Friday now because I was gonna have you going. Well, I'll wait till. Uh, you they weren't just even, take
2: that out. I'll be at the. the no, I'm not leg.
1: gonna. I don't. We're gonna send you to the, the. A bunch of lefty people are doing some. They hate Twitter, but they're still on Twitter, when they're meeting at some cafe to talk about leaving Twitter. But they're still on. So I don't know. It's very bizarre. I'm not gonna be here. I got to go to LA for my cousin's kid bar mitzvah, which I'm very excited about. Dad's dad side of the family is Jewish. Um, but officially I'm not Jewish. Yeah. I'm into the it's Jewish maternal. That's the yeah. same with my family. You, you know why? You know why that is? Uh, I. Or knew at some point cuz I mean. you never knew you never there was never any question who the mother was yep there you go that's that's true is that true it, oh yeah i mean going back thousands are true. it's like you knew the mom i guess that makes more sense they should update it i mean they should update the deal you can you can figure that out now yeah
2: i uh i claim judaism when it's conv- when i like i something i have to do something i don't want to do i'm like oh, my people they've suffered <laughs> <laughs> even though it's not my my dad's the
1: jew it's not he so we totally we 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 share that. Where where do you know where they came from? Your f- like ancestors like, like
2: some you know? fucking mud farm in Eastern Europe. I don't know.
1: Mine came from um Ukraine and Lithuania.
2: I think mine came from like a hundred years ago. Latvia more more than that or some something. But I haven't I haven't looked it up.
1: Maybe we're like distant cousins, Jacob Hirsch. And here we are. Could be. All right. Well, um keep keep doing what you're doing. Good luck in law, you know, with law school and appreciate it. Um we'll we'll be hoping to get some more more uh, content out of you. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Okay, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, uh, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.